Well, good morning, everybody. Bring greetings from the men that are out at Iowa. They're having a super time over there, and they said they're not planning on coming back. <laughs> I think that probably will only work until there's no more food left there, which is probably right after lunch. They'll probably begin to make their <laughs> meander their way back home again, which is awesome. But it really has been a fantastic, um, it's really been a, a fantastic time there. And as, uh, as has been mentioned, there's about 45 of them there, so it's awesome. They are speaking basically about the same things that we're talking about. They're speaking as um, Jesus is the foundation, Jesus is the rock of our foundation. And um, we'll be speaking a little bit about that here in a few moments. So it's, it was awesome to be out there. Um, I know that some of you, when you came in, um, maybe you missed it or you didn't, but there was this... Um, um, very gratuitous offer that was made to the ladies that if they show up downstairs for the women's meeting, they're, they're talking about women's ministry moving forward, that there would be cupcakes for you down there. Um, now, they tried to bribe me, but I said, there's no way that that would ever work, and that I absolutely cannot be bribed or bought. So I just said, absolutely no way. So, but that is a mighty fine uh, cupcake, something similar to what you'll find downstairs. I just need a cup of coffee. Is anybody in the Wake Pine Cafe? So, it is really quite... Maybe the men will come back early if they know there's cupcakes. Who knows? So, anyways, it's lovely. We've been speaking from the book of Philippians. And this morning we find ourselves in Philippians chapter 3. And what's important for us to know is, is that Paul, the Apostle Paul, who's writing this, has a, a crazy love for God. And it started for him back, as we read in um, in Acts, where he's on the road to Emmaus, and he's going there on this road. He's heading um, to take out some Christians. He's going to wherever he can go. He's going to, he's going to um, bring them, um, and he's going to confront them about their wayward ways, and that they should be Jews, and that this is wrong, what they're doing. And so but on his way there, he is miraculously met by Jesus. Jesus confronts him, and his life is changed. And what we're reading in Philippians chapter 3, you, you heard it read earlier. I'm just going to read a portion. It's from the um, English Standard Version. Verses 1 to 3. Paul begins by saying, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble for me to me, and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh, for we are the circumcision, who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Paul is saying, first of all, when you rejoice, you rejoice in the Lord, not in yourself. It's important for us to recognize who is the foundation of our life. Who's important in our life? And he says, 
You can rejoice in a lot of things, but I'm recommending for you that you rejoice in the Lord, not in yourself. You don't rejoice in your achievements, in your resume. And what we're talking about this morning, as I said, mirrors very well with what Pastor Mark is sharing. That muffin's, uh, that cupcake is still good. Um, is echoing very much what he's saying to the, to the boys today and what he's been saying the last um, couple of sessions with them. In Acts chapter 15 and, and uh, verses 1 and 4, there's a group of Christians that are running around and they're putting confidence in, in the flesh during the time, this time. They are Jewish Christians. Is that coffee? Tea? I think it will. It's just water, everybody, just so you know. <clears throat> they are Jewish Christians, and they are teaching Gentile Christians that they need to be circumcised in order to keep the law of Moses in order to belong to the kingdom. So Paul is writing to them about this problem, and he provides three distinguishing marks of a Christian. If you want to know what a Christian is, here's what they are. The first one is, he says, we worship by the Spirit of God. Chapter 3, verse 3b, true believers worship by the Spirit of God. True Christians possess the Spirit. Does the Spirit of God dwell in you? Do you have fruits of the Spirit? Do you worship and serve God by the Spirit? On what are you basing your entrance into heaven? What are you basing your, we would say, salvation? That's a big word. What do you base your assurance of salvation? And what's important for us to note is you, you don't base it on the fact that you just show up and check a box when you come here Sunday mornings. You don't check a box just by reading your Bible. You don't just check a box by praying a prayer. You... You don't mail in your worship to God. It is something that the Spirit does in and through us. It's active, and you're active with it. Rejoice in the fact that the Spirit of God dwells in you, enabling you to worship and serve God for His glory. It's when the Spirit is in us that we're better able to hear God speak and say things to us and move us. And too many people will say, you know, I've said the prayer, I invited Jesus into my life, and that's the end. But it's a relationship. And Paul is trying to encourage the Philippian church that it's more than having circumcision done on your flesh to the men. But it's a circumcision of the heart. It is saying and inviting God in by his spirit into your heart and living for him in that way. It impacts our life in many, many ways. Rejoice in the fact that the spirit of God dwells in you, enabling you to worship and serve God for his glory. The first mark is that we worship by the spirit of God. Apostle Paul would say, to, as he says to the church in, in Philippi, he says, we glory in Christ Jesus. Paul says, true people of God glory in Christ Jesus. Verse 3c, our boast is in Christ alone. 
if you meet someone who claims to be a Christian but isn't making much of Christ, then you have reason to be suspicious of their claim. I'm a follower of Christ, but I don't really talk much about him. Do you boast about Christ to your friends? Would they know that you're a follower of Christ even? Do you glory in Christ Jesus? Do you, do you use your life as an opportunity to make much of Jesus Christ as Lord? Do you speak much about him? Churches can be known for all kinds of things. Let's be known for boasting in Christ. We are to know Christ and make his love known. What is that for us? That is our mission. That's the mission of this, of this church, is to know Christ and to make his love known. It fits so well with what the Apostle Paul is talking about here. That's our mission. The vision of that looks slightly different. How do we do that? Well, we help take care of our community in time of need. We teach one another what it means for us to know Christ and to believe in the Bible. That's how it's acted out. So we, we want to be known as a church that is known for boasting in Christ. We worship by the Spirit of God. We glory in Christ Jesus. We put no confidence in the flesh. Paul says that the people of God put no confidence in the flesh. Verse 3D. Everyone has their confidence somewhere. Our confidence is in Christ, not our own efforts or our goodness is what he's trying to say. That is the bottom line. That's why Christians boast in Christ. This passage reminds us that when it comes to being accepted before a holy God, your nationality doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what country you come from. Your rituals, as much as you do them or as little as you do them, doesn't matter before a holy God. Your education doesn't matter. There's something that happens when we stand at the foot of the cross or we kneel at the foot of the cross. It is level ground. We're all equal. We can stand safely, securely, and confidently before God because of the work of Jesus Christ. It's not because of what we do. I know there's other portions of Scripture that says work out your, your, work out your salvation. I, I understand that. And I understand that we would talk about the importance of spiritual disciplines. So I'm not saying that we remove all of those things. But if that's what we're counting on for us to get into heaven, the Apostle Paul is saying, in a few moments he's going to tell us, when it comes to my resume, I have you all beat. And in the end, it's not going to be your resume that you're going to slip under the gates of heaven. It's going to be the fact of what did you do with my son, Jesus Christ. That is going to be what's going to get you the pass into heaven. He says, if, if you want to brag, I can brag even more. He contrasts his salvation by human achievement with the salvation of Christ's achievement. And he calls his former life of Judaism rubbish. He says, although I once had confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. I trump you every time. 
Paul has many religious privileges and accomplishments. His, his, his list includes his birth privileges as a Jew and his own religious achievements. Verse 5 and 6, detail his resume in detail. He was circumcised on the eighth day. That is the good number. Of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, regarding the law of Pharisee, the top of the top, I was the top dog, regarding zeal, persecuting the church. Regarding righteousness, that is in the law, I was blameless, I kept it all. These qualities were impressive, but Paul says he, was no, he has no confidence in them for providing salvation. We identify eight sources of false confidence. Don't put your confidence in a ritual. He says, I was circumcised on the eighth day. Don't put your confidence in your race. He says, I am the nation of Israel. Paul was a physical descendant of Abraham. So don't, don't put your confidence in your race. Don't put your confidence in your rank. I belong, not only was I a descendant, but I was of one of the special tribes. I was the tribe of Benjamin, he says in verse 5. Next one, don't put your confidence in your tradition. Paul calls himself a Hebrew of Hebrews, verse 5D. 5E, don't put your confidence in your rule-keeping. Paul says regarding the law, he was a Pharisee. Free Methodists, if you trace our, our history back, we were some of the most legalistic people you'd find on the planet. But it didn't save us. And it didn't move us in the direction of being totally free and in the spirit of God. We thought, you know, just if we could just tell people what they could wear and have their shirts buttoned up and their, if we could just tell them how to walk straight, then everything would be okay. And what we found over the course of time was that was not the case. Paul was saying in this passage of Scripture that you can't put your confidence in your rule-keeping. He says, don't put your confidence in your zeal. We hear it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere and really believe it. It's not true. Saul of Tarshish, a Pharisee, says, regarding zeal, persecuting the church. I was, I was, you wouldn't find anybody that was more zealous for the faith, for the Jewish faith than me. Don't put, your, don't put your confidence in your obedience in the law. Paul says regarding the righteousness that's in the law, I was blameless. I kept everything right down to the very, very last thing, right last crossing of the T and dotting of the I. Our confidence, he says, it's important for us to recognize lies in Christ. Lies in Jesus Christ. Put your trust in him. How do we do that? Well, that's what some of the, that's what the session yesterday started with, with Pastor Mark. So it's important for you to know Christ. But what does that mean to you on Monday? What does that mean to you when you leave this church and go out into the parking lot? What does it mean when you go to work? What, does, what, what do those things mean to know Christ in your building and the people that are around you, in your families? So Paul, he talks to us about it. Paul talks about what it looks like to truly know Christ in a saving way. Knowing Christ is his supreme ambition. Ambition. 
And can I say to us, with all the things that are swirling around in our world and the shifting sand that is around us, that the Apostle Paul in this message is as much for us today as it was for them back then. Listen to what he says, verses 7 to 11. But everything that was a gain to me, I considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also considered everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of things and considered them filth so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, through righteous, the, the righteousness from God based on faith. Listen to his goal. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. Notice that the Apostle Paul says that his resume does not matter. His list of achievements and accomplishments will be for nothing. Whatever gain that he has in the flesh is counted as loss. This is the Christian perspective. This is what drives us. This is what moves us forward. This is what it means to know Christ. Not just about him, but to know Christ. Talking with one of the men um, last, last evening, and he was saying, you know, I was one of those guys that would come in and I would sit up in the balcony at the very back. I would just sort of slip in and slip out. Life you know, you'd be down there speaking, but I wasn't interested in what you were saying. But then one day, got a, God got a hold of my heart, and something happened where it wasn't, I, did, I, I knew something more than just knowing about Christ, I began to know him personally in my life, and take him to who I was so that I could live for him. And there's been a transition in his life. I've seen it. The Christian perspective. This is what it means to say that to live in Christ, to live as Christ and to die is gain. But consider verse 8. I count everything as loss. It doesn't matter what we're talking about regarding who we are. It is all loss, is what he's saying. It doesn't matter what your background, it doesn't matter who your parents are, it doesn't matter what your career path is, it doesn't matter how righteous you are, it doesn't matter how good you are, it doesn't matter what you think. You can put on that list before God. In fact, Paul says that he takes his list of accomplishments and he flushes them down the toilet in modern day language. He counts his resume as something that he folds up and he puts out, to the, and puts out to the garbage, out to the curb. Doesn't matter what it is in his life, he will count it as loss, it as trash. Imagine that just for a second. Talking yesterday, yesterday a little bit about, um, for the men, we were talking about um, how often... Our life, we, we build it on things, but is on, a, is on a good foundation. Paul is saying it's really important for you to recognize 
that you can build your life on all these achievements, but when it comes to your relationship with God, it's going to take something more than that. You're planning someday to go to heaven, it's going to take something more than your righteousness. The reason is that Christ is the great value. He says, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Because there's nothing more valuable than knowing Christ. Knowing Christ is the highest value. The greatest treasure that you can have is knowing Christ. Jesus said to himself, the kingdom of heaven is, is like a treasure hidden in the field which a man found and he covered it up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has so that he can go and buy that field. This is how we look at life. There's nothing more valuable and nothing of greater worth than knowing Christ. This is why we pray and this is why we read the scriptures. This is why we do these things so that we can understand more about what it is that pleases Christ. I'm married and part of what my challenge in life to do is to understand my wife and to do all that I can to please her and to serve her. That it, that's what it means to be in that, that union, that relationship. I, I want to understand what it is that makes her tick. And I've got to say, there's lots of times I don't know. But in my relationship with God, my relationship with Jesus, if what Paul is saying is true, I have to get a hold of this. What does it mean to know Christ? I have to read his word and I have to pray Lord, show me what it means to know Christ and to live my life for him. What does that mean? So this is why we pray and we read the scriptures. And this is why we, we don't stay home and watch TV instead of worshiping together. Christ is the ultimate treasure. We are not where we must be spiritually if we do not see the surpassing value of Christ. And so we this morning, if we were to put, put you on a continuum, we would be kind of like all over the map of, of people that are still trying to figure it out, which is okay. Obviously, it's okay. And people that have been walking for a long time who, who really know Christ and really walking close to him. My heart would be, as a pastor, would be as to pray, how can I help the individuals that are just sort of dipping their toe in and just still trying to figure it out? What can I do to help you? to move you across this continuum, to, to move, not, I mean nothing against our balcony dwellers, but that chum who was sitting up at the back, the very far back, one day decided, you know what, I need to, I need to get in the game, and I, I need to walk into that relationship with God and to know Christ more. You got to know I love you up there, you, you uh, dwellers up there. I do. Christ is worth more than anything. And as a Christian, we pursue to know Christ better. There's a word tossed around in, in Christian circles called justification. And Paul talks about it in verse 9. Trust Christ alone as your righteousness. Paul says, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own law, but one that is through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God based on faith. God said that as, uh, Paul said that as to righteousness, he was blameless. 
However, he couldn't live up to that sinless perfection. So he, like us, needed someone else's righteousness in order to be justified before God. Because here's the problem. Only righteous people are going to heaven. We know that, right? Not everyone is going to heaven. Only righteous people are going to heaven. Yet not one of us are righteous. There isn't anybody here that's got it all together. I don't know if you know that or not. But there's not... I'm sorry, that's a surprise for you. Not all of us are righteous. Actually, none of us are righteous. And so Paul will say, as he, as he wrote in Romans chapter 3, verses 9 to 18, therefore we need another source of righteousness, and that's why the gospel is good news. Christ received our punishment, though he never sinned, and we received his righteousness, though we never deserved it. And once a month, we come together and we say, yes, Lord, thank you for this. Because it was your body that went to the cross, and it was your blood that was shed for me. And when we take the body and we take the blood, we remember all that Jesus has done for me and say, you are my righteousness. You are the one that stands before the Father so that he does not see my sin. And there's something that is magnificent about that. We, it is just as if we had never sinned when we accept Jesus into our heart and accept the fact that he was the one that died on the cross, the place that I should have died for my sin, but he took it upon himself. This is justification by faith. In a moment, we're going to sing a song. Graham Kendrick wrote this song, a beautiful song, um, one that I remember from many Promise Keepers events and have sung many times in churches. It's, um, I don't know the name, Knowing You. But the words go, all I, all I once held dear built my life upon, all this world reveres and wars to own, all I once thought gain I have counted loss, spent and worthless now compared to this. Knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there's no greater thing you're my all, you're my best, you're my joy, you're my righteousness. You're the one that stands in the gap is what he's saying. And I love you, Lord. Now my heart's desire is to know you more, to be found in you and known as yours, to possess by faith what I could not earn, all surpassing gift of righteousness. Oh, to know the power of your risen life and to know you in your sufferings, to become like you in your death, my Lord so with you to live and to never die. He's our justification. He is our sanctification. Verse 10, Paul writes, my goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Conformed to his death. Jaya Packer says this, once you become aware that your main business here in life is to know Christ, then most of life's problems fall into place. When Christ is the center, what do you think the main business of your life is? When you've given your life to Christ, what is your main business? Is it to make money? Is it to get married? Is it to be entertained? Everything in life flows from this fountain of knowing Christ. What is it that you want to pass on to your kids? and to your grandkids. What is it that you want to do? Then he speaks about glorification. Moving along there, Joel. 
Um, verse 11 speaks to this. There's something more than just looking towards the resurrection, which he is, but he, he actually is involved in Christ's sufferings. He doesn't gloss over that. Being a follower of Jesus doesn't mean that you are immediately transported out of all the challenges. The challenges still come. They still face us. But there is this anticipation that he has for the fact that one day he's going to go and be with the Savior. I'm encouraging us this morning, as the Apostle Paul has encouraged us, is that we would pursue a deep relationship with Jesus Christ and to long for the day in which we will see him, the one with scars on his hands who defeated death through his resurrection. For there's nothing on earth that compares to knowing Jesus our Lord. So I have some questions for you. What are we throwing away from our lives for the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ? What are we throwing away in our lives to help us to know Christ better? What in your life needs to be thrown away? What needs to be counted as lost? Loss. What are some of the things that you're counting on as the things that are going to, to get you into heaven? What are the things that you're counting on that you believe are the gain? What are some of the things that you, you, you just need to take an inventory of? We have an awesome opportunity here in the next few minutes. I know we're going to sing this song again, and I know that um, we'll have opportunity to have the elements in your hands when we sing this song, parts of it. And just to think about that, my belief is, is that many of us here this morning really want to know Jesus better. We really want to have him as the foundation of our life. Some of us here this morning have never taken that step to say, yes, you know what, I, I know there's things in my life that are not right, but I've never made it right with God. So just during these moments of receiving of this element, you don't have to be a member of this church to receive the elements. You just have to have had said that Jesus is your Lord and that you believe that he is the way to the Father. And by that invitation, you're able to take communion. Just bow our heads. Oh, Father, we thank you this morning for how precious you are to us. This is a great passage of scripture as it speaks um, your heart to us. As the Apostle Paul nails it, when he talks about how we can be more in tune with you, and that's by knowing your son, Jesus. So I just pray that if, there's no one, if there are people here this morning that don't know, have never invited Jesus into their heart, that just during these moments, just simply they would say, Jesus, I need you. I need you in my, my life. I, I need to confess that there's, there are things in my life that are not right, and I just bring it before you. Father, thank you for sending Jesus into this world to take my sin upon himself and to die on the cross for me. Others here this morning that just really need to lean into knowing Jesus, to knowing him, and to confess him this morning. Some of us have just been playing church. Some of us have just been going through the motions. 
some maybe just sitting in the, in the back pew or just kind of just taking it one step at a time and not really going anywhere. And today could be different. And I pray that that would be the case. God hears the motive of your heart. And as we have opportunity just to be contemplative and to, to sing and to respond to this, if this is your heart today, then just speak it to God in the silence of your, of your mind and your heart this morning and just reach out to him. He's ready to hear and to receive. Amen.